Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Let's just jump right into this. I'm telling you, man, I woke up at 3 a.m., and there's so much meat here, we're not going to be able to digest this all. This is just 1 John 2. It's, there's a lot of good stuff in here. I had one plan on where I wanted to go, and God just like, you're going to focus on this. You're going to focus on these two things. You're going to see a theme before I jump into it on love and forgiveness. And this is just huge. But this is what I wrote. I don't know if you guys read the introduction last night. I had posted it, but tell me if this speaks to you currently in the season that you're in. Um, Do you know where you are going, or do you feel like in some way, somehow, that you've been held back? So when I was a kid, one of my greatest uh, fears was being held back in grade school. I had a friend who was actually held back, and my next-door neighbor friend, close friend, I won't say his name in case he's watching, but, um, but it actually happened to him. And that was my biggest fear was, you know, not to be able to move up with my friends and move up into the next grade. And although we'd still hang out after school, we missed a lot of time together and a lot of memories together uh, because we weren't in, in any of the same classes and we didn't get to graduate together. And, you know, silly as that sounds, I don't know if any of you when you were kids were afraid of failing, afraid of being held back and like, oh, you know, you just... We can't move you forward this year. We need to keep you back. Uh, but sometimes that can be a setup. And, um, but now one of my greatest fears is holding other people back. That's probably my greatest fear, is holding other people back from their calling. And the Lord really spoke to me today and gave me some encouraging words on that too. But if you've ever felt held back, which I'm sure we all have, and if you haven't, you probably will, uh, and maybe you feel like you've been stumbling uh, more than striding. Charmaine talked about, you know, going from uh, surviving to striding, right? We're just striving to do something to actually striding in the way that the Lord has called you to go according to his path, according to his rhythm, according to his timing. So I don't know if there's any, anyone in your life that um, you can't even just stand. You know, we say, what, what, what do we stand for? If we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. How about those that we feel like are standing against us? Like, oh, I just can't stand that person. Or you believe that person is standing against you. And they may or may not be, but I think I, I, think I hit something there. I can feel it in the room. So how do we overcome what's holding us back? And maybe it's not the person. Maybe it's our position that is holding us back. Maybe it's not the person. Maybe it's our position. Okay, uh, to, uh, so today I want to learn uh, how we're going to shift our focus and see if God can give us some clarity, see if the Holy Spirit will give us some clarity on what's really standing in the way, what we need to let go, and where we need to listen to what God has to say today. You with me? All right, praise God. So let's read First uh, John chapter 2. We're going through the whole thing, gentlemen. 29 verses, how many in the house? 20? I did a quick count, but you guys keep coming in, so let's, uh, why don't we just start with a verse and then just pass it on, and we'll come around the group again. First John chapter 2, I'm uh, reading and study, studying out of the NIV, so if you have that option to choose your app, uh, you can do that, but otherwise just read whatever Bible's in front of you. We can share a Bible, but you can search it, you can go to Bible Gateway, uh, or we'll just 
help each other through this. First John chapter 2, starting verse 1. James. Did you say two verses? I forget what you said. One? One. Okay, yeah. Okay, first John 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments or commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Five. But if anyone obeys his word, love of God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Six. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. That's short and sweet. Uh, oh, um, do not love the world for do not do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father. It, is not in them. 
What's that? Yeah, he read verse 14. Oh, here. Okay. Uh, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Fifteen, sixteen. All right. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does, the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the, whatever that is, is coming, <laughs> even, even now many things have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their, go- their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Darcy, have you read? On 20? Yeah. Okay. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Morris, could you read uh, 22 and 23? Who is a liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. All right, there's a lot. There's a lot. What stood out to you guys? Lots. I'm just going to focus on one word that challenges me. 
Uh, it's the word abide or remain, depending on which version you are reading. And, you know, that sounds very long-term. Like in your life, stay a Christian kind of thing. But it's, for those of us who are growing deeper with God, it's much more than that. When you're frustrated with somebody, remain in him. When you want to quit, remain in him. When you want to um, say that word you know you shouldn't say, remain in him. When you want to watch that thing on your cell phone or on the internet, remain in him. And, and it's, it's those moments where God is going to tweak us, and he's tweaking me. Uh, we were in a great seminar uh, this week, and uh, Dave Horvath asked the question. Well, he said this. He said, knowledge is power. False. Knowledge is not power. The application of knowledge is powerful. And, and in every moment, what you've learned from Jesus, apply it to your marriage, apply it to your children, apply it in your workplace, apply it when you're all alone and nobody sees you. Those are the moments where you got to remain. Come on, give it up, give it up. Uh, verse 23, and I've been trying to find this for a long time, but here it is, black and white. So I work with a gentleman who uh, believes in the Father only and doesn't believe in the Son. And this is the exact thing here. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. I've had that before. That's not, that just, that's not new, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. Sorry, I'm just drawing over here all the, all the, all the young guys, you know, Rick. And, and you guys got anything? You got anything? Darcy got anything? Coach Darcy got anything? More will come out. It's funny because when you said there's one word, right away I thought remain. And then you said it. And next week I'm... So Pastor Matt asked me to teach next week for the message, and my my the message is titled "Remain." So that's confirmation. Okay, <laughs> those who have ears to hear, <laughs> come on. I was saying to Rick, we had a little conversation on the way here, and how important it is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the churches, right, as a whole. But what I love is is hearing a group of men from all different walks and areas of their life come together. One purpose and to seek him and to hear that this is what the Lord's been saying to me. This is what the Lord's been saying to me. This is what this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been searching for. And man, we're about to go deep. Get ready. Okay. So let's start with um, 1 John 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Talk about how Jesus comes in and raises the standard too, hey? And then he, he passes that on to his disciples. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, Jesus came, you know, and because of his grace. No, what he say? You know, it says, it says, it, it, says love your, it, it says, love your enemies. He says, turn the other cheek. He says, don't just walk a mile with, with them, you know, walk, what is it, seven miles with that person. Carry their stuff. He always takes it to the next level. You know, it, it says, uh, you commit adultery by doing this. He says, just by looking at another woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. He just challenges us to like, man, but without Christ in us as Christians, it's impossible, right? 
But the first point I want to point out there is freedom is found in living as Jesus lived. You want an example? Look at Jesus. Right? So how did Jesus live? This keeps coming up. How we are called, Paul calls us in Romans. He said the church in Romans, he's speaking to us too, to be a living sacrifice. This is our true and proper worship. Come on. A living sacrifice. We need to be devoted. Jesus was devoted to his heavenly father. Right? And our way to the father is through the son. By being, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. Right? Uh, he served. He cared for the poor. He healed the sick. I put a couple scriptures there. You guys can look up. And he never turned away little children. Matthew 19, 13 to 14. His love is endless and available to all, all of us. Jesus taught that we must forgive. Even as he died on the cross, Jesus forgave those that were killing him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I was sharing this with my boys this morning on the way here. This is not in my notes, but some of us need to realize if we're supposed to live like Jesus lived, there's going to be times when you're going to have to say, Father, forgive that person. They know not what they do. Sometimes they know what they do. But sometimes they're still a slave to sin or they're trying to work it all out in their walk with God because as you're going to see, they're acting like a little child. But Pastor Steph's going to tell us this morning how it's a matter of perspective. We think, well, then didn't you come to know Jesus? Didn't I see you get baptized on Sunday? You should know better, brother. No. We'll see very quickly here. They're like a little child. And there's those that don't even know him. And they're walking in darkness. And then there are those that know him, yet walk in darkness. Oh, we'll get into this, okay? Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Whoa. Whoa. Let's back that up again. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is what? Nothing in them to make them stumble. The Greek word used for brothers and sisters refers to a believer here in context, just so you know. A believer, a believer, a believer. We're going to get into that word hate. I actually wrote it down because I'm like, I'm going to look at, I looked it up and you're going to be surprised. To love is to live in the light. That's your next blank. To love is to live in the light. The Lord has been saying to us, live a lifestyle worthy of your calling. Don't just live out your calling on Sunday or in the morning when you pray for your, your day or, you know, a lifestyle. You got to live in the light. Easier said than done. Live in the light. Live it. Live it. I like what, what you said this morning, uh, James, that one word, that one word that's going to remain, remain in who? Him. Remain in me. You're not going to draw from your own strength. Remain in me. You want to do that thing? Remain in me. Right? It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's not, hey, it's not like the gym where you can say, oh, yeah, fitness is my lifestyle because I work out one hour, one day a week. That's not a lifestyle. That's not the Jesus, and that, but we think it is. If you ask an athlete, it's not one hour, 
It's a lifestyle. It's not just devoted to the one hour of prayer. It's a lifestyle. It's what that person is taking in. It's, it's how they're, they're investing their energy. It's who they're surrounding themselves with that's going to challenge them. Other coaches, other athletes that have gone ahead of them. It's a lifestyle. It's not a, yes, those, I'm not trying to say it's not, you got to at least do that. That's like the starting point is getting those disciplines. But you could tell the difference between someone that's walked into the gym that I see at the gym every day I'm there and it looks like they haven't changed because they're doing a lot of this and not a lot of this. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? We'll listen to all these American speakers this week so that came out of me again. Come on, somebody. This must be an American thing. But you know, but then you see somebody else where you see transformation. They are focused. They are in there. And you know they're doing something. It's what they're doing outside of the gym, not just when they're in the gym and they show up. You with me? Okay, not in my notes. So we need to live in the light. Love is to live in the light. One of the greatest limitations. This is one of the greatest limitations for us as believers. Claiming and at the same time criticizing. Dr. Caroline Leaf says, when you say one thing and do another, it actually kills your brain cells. It doesn't just kill your brain cells, it kills your body function. And some of us have been, not saying this is always the case, okay, I'm not trying to put you in the box, but sometimes we've been sick constantly. Why? We've been struggling with, with mental thoughts constantly. Why? Because we say one thing and we do another. We do more criticizing and less celebrating, right? We said we do more whining, not in this house, just say not in this house. Come on, I got to build you up today, not in this house. We do more whining and not enough worshiping, but not in this house. We worship more than we whine, right? Worship's our weapon. James, I appreciate you this morning. Thank you. Because there's something happening here. We're engaging. Are you feeling it? Okay, thank you, brother. So we can do that, we can claim, and at the same time, we can criticize to the point of hating even a fellow believer. Hate, in definition, is a feeling of intense or passionate dislike for someone. You ever been guilty of this? I don't hate them, I just strongly dislike them. You just said you hate them. I had to like, wow, the Holy Spirit hit me hard when I looked up the definition of hate this morning, just so you know, man. Just because you don't use that word, but everything else you're saying is saying the same thing. Oh, but I didn't say it that way. But you're still saying the same thing a different way. Oh, come on. <laughs> I just strongly dislike that person. See, we're all called to love. We're all called to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And remember when I said Jesus takes it to the next level? Even our enemies. But here's the thing. Lord convicted me on this morning. I've used this in coaching with couples before. And sometimes I've sat down with couples that have been fighting over just silly stuff. I said, hey, we're going to start, this might sound weird, but we're going to start by treating each other um, like complete strangers. Some of you know where I'm going with this. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, would you say that to a complete stranger? Would you act that way around a complete stranger? Why are you doing it to the one you love? Why are you doing it to your fellow believer? 
Why do we even treat other people better than we treat other Christians and other churches? Part of us might be because we show more grace for those that we believe are walking in the darkness, but I think that's just how the enemy takes and twists the truth on us. Because it's right here. Otherwise, we're in the darkness. We can't strongly dislike people. We can dislike what they do, but we got to love them. we got to love them. we got to pray for them. We'll get to that, because that's in there. So Jesus said that in Matthew 5, 44 to 48. And I'm just going to read through the whole thing, because there's so much meat here. I'm like, Lord, do you want me to just go to Matthew 5 today? Maybe that's for next week. But I couldn't just give you one verse. It says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes, check this out, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And some of us, we did, our, 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 our theology might be so far off because you're like, well, they're, they're being blessed, so they must be doing good. Uh-uh, not always. But they have so much money, they have so much stuff. I'm telling you, if, if that's your, your theology, you're going to be really messed up when you look and you see that the mafia has more money than the missionary. That happens. So his blessing falls on all of us, right? But there's a difference. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors, H&R Block, doing that? <laughs> I added the last part. But it says, are not even the tax collectors doing that? I always feel bad for the tax collectors because it's great because when you read Matthew, you know, Matthew was a tax collector. He was formerly known as Levi. And you had your sinners and then you had your tax collectors, right? They got their own category. Uh, today, we still don't like tax collectors. Anyway, thank you for your laughter. Um, do not even the pagans do that. Be, oh, what does that say? Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, the only way to be perfect is to have the person that is Jesus in you, the atonement of sins. That's the only way. That's the only way. It is Christ through you. It is in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. It's Christ in you. It's living in the light. You, you got to love in the light. You can't love in the darkness. In context to this, in unforgiveness or hating a brother, strongly disliking them. <laughs> the weight of not living in love is heavy darkness, and we wonder why. Oh, shoot, guys. Just so you know, <laughs> I know I speak boldly to you, but this is for all of us, myself included. Okay? Because a veil is about to be torn over your eyes right now. This is why, or we wonder why, we can still go to church, serve in the church, read our Bibles, even memorize our Bibles, worship God, yet continually trip over our own two feet. He ever tripped over something and then got, in the, got mad at that object for being in your way? <laughs> Stewie couch! I know somebody moved it two inches to the left. It wasn't there! Kids' toys. It sounds so silly, but the truth is we do it all the time with people in our lives. 
that we're called to love and serve. Because we didn't expect them to be in that position or in that place or act that way in our lives. And so we get mad at them. But if we truly love our brother and sister, the scripture says, there is what? Nothing. Nothing. That can cause us to stumble. Love covers a multitude of sins. That's not just for you. That's for the other people sitting against you. You know, we keep coming back to the Lord's Prayer because why? Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And in that, we get to pre-forgive people every day. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. If you really love somebody, you're already forgiving them in your heart before they've even sinned against you. And if you can have that kind of love, it's pretty nice because when it comes at you and it's like, well, why are you so surprised? I'm not surprised because we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all mess up, say things that we shouldn't say. But wouldn't it be nice to be like already your heart is there when the person's like, I'm so sorry, man. Dude, I forgave you this morning before this even happened. (laughs) I'm forgiven. You're forgiven. You, you just flow differently in the light than you do in the dark, don't you? There's a lot more clarity in the light than there is in the dark. Okay, so pray for those who persecute you. Again, we are called to love everyone, but you're not called to let everybody in. Words of wisdom from my wife. I believe it's Proverbs 4.23. It's not in my notes. You should look it up. Above all else, guard your where everything flows from it. Loving others and letting others in here is not the same thing. Jesus didn't let everybody in. There was a time when he, he, was, he was talking about, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, man, a lot of people peaced out. We understand it now, but a lot of people didn't understand the context in what he was saying, and they left him. There was a lot of great religious leaders that knew the word, the Torah at that time, memorized it. Followed every single thing from the cleansing and washing and eating of hands, but Jesus didn't let them in. But was it Jesus that didn't let them in, or did they not let him in? Oh. There's two sides to that. But yet Jesus chose people like us to be his disciples. God the Father chose to send his son to be born in a manger in a bunch of mess. And God chose messy people to deliver a message where he could only be glorified, not us. I love, I love how God reminds me. That's my hope. It's my constant hope. People like David in the Bible, people like Peter in the Bible, when I read about them and, and the messes they made and the mistakes they made, and yet David was a man after God's own heart, It's encouraging for me. But I need, again, alignment. I need clarity. And I think a lot of us have been praying for that lately. For clear vision. The word has been insight. Lord says, let's focus on the insight. I'll deal with the foresight. Right? Insight. Again, you're called to let everyone, but not called to let everyone in. Jesus loves us, and he's not going to let everyone into heaven. What? I thought he was a good God. He is a good God. He has done everything possible. It's actually up to us at the end. 
The verse that constantly stands out to me is when he'll separate what he calls the goats from the sheep. He uses that analogy or that description of separating two groups of people. Matthew 25, 31 to 36, he says, and he'll say to those on the right, come, the sheep inherit the kingdom of God. This belongs to you because he says, for when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. When I was sick, you looked after me. When I was in prison, you visited me. If we truly love him, we will love them. They're not just the ones that are nice to us. But it starts in this house. Everything flows out of your home. It starts with your wife and kids. This is his house too. It starts with how we love one another, correct? Hmm. Is this speaking to you guys today at all? Okay, good. Sometimes it's hard to figure out through the silence, but um, verse 11, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has what? Blinded them. So don't be blinded by darkness. I mean, that sounds like a simple point, but when we hate a believer, we can't see where we're going. Wow, right? That hit me this morning. When you hate, when you strongly dislike another believer, you can't see where you're going. It doesn't, it doesn't say they won't be able to see. When we strong, it, oh, it does say they won't be able to see, sorry. When we strongly dislike another believer, it becomes about me and my insecurity. Oh yeah, it is right. It doesn't say that they won't be able to see. You won't be able to see. You think, man, I'm going to strongly dislike them right now. They're going to see how much I dislike them. They're not going to be able to move forward in their walk with God. No, plank, 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 it's you. You can't see now. You're trying to pull the speck out of your brother's eye, and you're like, boom, 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 boom. I don't get it. I'm going to church on Sunday. Boom. I'm reading my Bible. Boom. Like, I'm worshiping. Boom. But you got to right your wrongs. You got to love. You got to forgive. You got to pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you. I'm telling you, the power of prayer, when you, we all do have those emotions, those feelings, and people will wrong you, pray for them. Say, God, bless them. Bless those that persecute you. Something just will lift out of you. And guess what? The feeling will probably come back again when you're tired and when you're hungry and somebody says the wrong thing and that feeling, what do you do? You pray for them. You bless them. You love them. Are you with me? So we're not holding them back. We're holding ourselves back. And you may be asking God for clarity and vision, and you're wanting to know what's the next step. Here it is. Forgiveness and love. God, I need vision. You put this, this big mission on my heart. What do I do? What's my clarity? Go love your brother. What? But I need to see, Lord. I need to see the next step. Yeah, the reason you're blind. Here, take this medicine right here. Call forgiveness and love. Go do it. Right? Somebody, somebody's sensing that? Hmm. Forgiveness and love. You know that before we even take communion, we need to, we need to come before God with, with a clear conscience and heart. And if there is something against another brother, we've got to give it to God. We've got to right those wrongs. We've got to love on them, pray for them. Forgiveness and love. Love will remove the limit. 
Love will remove what's standing in your way and help you see, give you sight. So where are we with our walk with God? So you're going to have to correct that. Where are we at with our walk with God? So here it goes. I'm going to go through quickly. But how do we know if we are maturing in the light or holding ourselves back? A, he says, I write to you, children. In 1 John 2, 12 and 14, it comes up. Your sins have been forgiven on account of what? His name. And it says, you're little children because you know the Father. My kids know me. They know my name. They know my voice. They know when I say, Logan, Aiden. <laughs> they know dad's voice. Right? They also know that I love them. See, forgiveness is only found in one name. Salvation is only found in one name. Garth, there it is. Forgiveness, salvation is only found in one name. This is both our, our starting point and our end. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. You truly know him and you know you have, for, be, you have been forgiven. You know that you are saved. Wow! How many people have gone to church even their whole life and they've been spoon-fed like they're babies? But yet they're not even children yet because they don't know that they're saved. They don't know that they're forgiven. Why do you think we bring up Romans 10 verse 9 every time as a church that you can know that you know that you know that you are saved by believing in your heart and confessing in your mouth, believing in the resurrection that God the Father raised his son from the grave and confessing what? That he is what? Your friend? Your best bud? Lord. Lord. You are Lord over all. You are Lord over Keep the main thing the main thing. Come back to that. Remain. Remain. That he remains Lord over every situation that you're in and every struggle. Remain in him. Remain. Don't let the enemy try to snatch you and think like, oh, you're not one of his children anymore because you messed up. That does not change your DNA. That does not change the blood of the covenant and what he did on the cross for you and what you received. That doesn't change. You are still his child. So on forgiveness. So we tr you will truly know him and you know that you have been forgiven in the same way you must also forgive others. For Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. See, uh, forgiveness needs to flow uh, to you and through you. It's kind of like paying it forward. It's really easy to pay it forward when you're right in the lineup and somebody right in front of you uh, uh, pays for that coffee. But pride, greed, selfishness, all these other things might think, well, actually, I'm ahead now. And, and, and in our flesh, we'll say, I'll just, I'm just going to receive this blessing right now, and I'm not going to pay it forward to the next person in line. Well, that's all you're going to get. Right? 
But when you, when you pay it forward, isn't that an amazing feeling when somebody does it for you and you pass it on, you're wondering, I wonder how far this is going to go? That's God's love. That's God's forgiveness. That's so why when you receive it, it's like Jesus, when he talked about the kingdom of heaven, is like someone who's, whose debt was forgiven, right? Remember that man? And that man went out, and, and all his debt was in the millions, his lifetimes of debt, forgiven, taken care of, paid for. And what does he do? He goes at that person whose debt was forgiven now goes after the people that owe him the money. He didn't truly receive. If he had truly received it, he would have paid it forward. But he felt he had to, he still had to pay back. I got to pay him back. You can't pay back. You can't pay back, Jesus. What he did? I'm sorry, you can't do it. But you got to pay it forward. Oh, there's a, you can't pay it back, but you got to pay it forward. Write that down, somebody. You can't pay it back, but you got to pay it forward. Forgiveness needs to flow to you and through you. If we understand that we are children, we also understand then, in your notes, we need to be fed. Children need to be fed. In your discipleship walk, and your maturity, yes, you need to be fed. And then, in our growth, it says, young men, because you have, what? Overcome. Wow, that's why these I am statements are so important. I am more than a conqueror. You have overcome. You are the head and not the tail. So, oh, I will one day I'll overcome. No. It says that you have overcome. If you've reached that young man stage in your walk with God, you are more than an overcomer. You are strong, verse 13 says. That's why I have people repeat these words, say, I am strong. That's what God says about you. It says, you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Says it in 13, says it in 14. It's like, in case you forgot, you overcame. Oh, and by the way, you overcame. Because the word is in you. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. You need to have the written word and you need to have the word. Because who said it this morning? It's not the knowledge. Is knowledge power? It's the application. You know, <laughs> you are strong. The word of God lives in you. We need to be strong and disciplined in the word of God. And that's how we overcome Satan when he's trying to limit us. Just like he tried to limit Jesus and get in his way, stand in his way and hold him back when he was in the desert. And when he was tired and he was hungry and he was thirsty and he fasted, this is right after his baptism, what did Satan use? The written word. Christ came to give us context and clarity. That's what he does. That's what the, the advocate, the Holy Spirit does. Gives you the gift of discernment, understanding, a word of knowledge. You can't just walk around with this up in here and not have him in here. That's why I, I still have today, I have friends that probably know, know this, don't own this better than I do. And they're not believers because they haven't received the word. They never received it. They're still walking around blinded. But you have a revelation, isn't it true? I've led people to the Lord that like, for like as a little child, and all of a sudden they have discernment and the Holy Spirit speaking through them already. But nobody taught them the word. You need both. And that's what Satan would try to use to get Jesus. The written word, you need to know it, you need to own it. 
You need to understand that the living word of God, Jesus, lives in you. And remember this about young men. They can feed themselves. So Satan will, will, will try to get you to stumble. He'll try to think that, he'll tell you even, well, your pastor, your teacher, your coach is holding you back. They're not teaching you enough of the word. How old are you spiritually? How long have you been doing this? Don't slip back to being a little child. When you're, every man in this house, spiritually is a young man of God and is feeding themselves. If not, then you know where you are. But don't get, the, don't get the enemy to go back there like you should have a hunger. Your pastor should be equipping you for the work of the ministry, yes, and leaving you hungry for the word of God. Not just getting up here preaching for hours and like, oh, I'm so full, see you next week, pastor. You with me? It should be challenging you. You should leave, oh, I want some more. I thirst for more. I want more. Tell me there's another connect group. Hey, Garth. Yeah, give me a, give me more. Give me a men's group that will pray after God and put in a, give me a group of guys that will go to the street and not just be fat sheep all day long in the pens, but will go out there and feed those and clothe those and, and not just the physical needs, but the spiritual needs. We'll go to places that other people won't go to and step into places that aren't so as, as nice as a stage. But sometimes this isn't the big stage. Sometimes it's at Ruth and Naomi's and there's a couple that is fighting here and 80% of the people seem like they don't want to listen or they can't listen and it's just the one out of the 99 that's sitting there like that and at the end gives their heart to the Lord. This is easy compared to out there. This is, I really enjoy this, but this is easy compared to the behind the scenes. You with me? So that, then, then we know that the next stage is fathers. See, fathers, you know him who is from the beginning. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. In the beginning. You know, who said the other day, oh, where should I start in my Bible? In the beginning, God created, right? Then uh, one of my sons read, I think it was Aiden read, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. What do you love? This is where words are powerful. We don't say things like, well, I don't say hate. That's a bad word. I strongly dislike. But yet we say things that we love so loosely all the time. We use the word love so loosely. Come on. I'm not saying like, oh, you're a bad person if you just love them. Hey, man, I've done that lots. And God convicted me even this morning, uh, early at 2 a.m. There was one time where I truly believe because God loves me, he took away one of my motorcycles because I said I love this motorcycle. I strongly believe he did in this season because it hit me hard when it happened. And I realized, that's just a motorcycle. I don't love him. How can I use that in the same sentence as I love my wife or I love my Lord? I said, I like my bike. The bike's fun. Do I love it? No. Do I love lamp? No. Someone will get that joke. But wait. But we use it loosely on things and even experience. See, this is where the devil likes to twist the truth and mess with your words sometimes. And I'm not saying get so legalistic, sorry, that you can't use that word or use that. But no, there is power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat its fruit. 
So you just be careful. I'm just saying it, it could be what you're saying, how you're saying it, the way you're saying it. I'm not saying you're like, oh, oh, I said I love that thing when I, but it might be, it's more, it's a heart thing, okay? It's a heart thing. God's revealing things in our heart today, but there's power in our tongue. We lust over things that, that we can see and the things that we can touch, and we know the power of pride. And when we're not willing to lay aside our own agenda for his, that's pride. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So what is right? It's for you to fill in. The greatest limitation isn't what others put on me, it's what I put on myself. You can't spell limitation without I. (laughs) God isn't holding me back and neither are those doing his work and his will. You guys aren't holding me back. I don't feel that anyway, just so you know. I've never felt that. I know now that I can't take responsibility for everyone else's future. Our job is to love. In leadership, it is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. God has great promises, and that great promise in store for us to be his disciples also comes with the process. The more I study God's word, the more I I realize it's less about me and it's more about him. His will be done. His kingdom come. I I don't want to limit what I can do for his kingdom, not my own kingdom. You see, we're going to continue to mature. We're going to continue to mature as children, as young men and fathers, by taking care of others, loving and living in the light by doing what is right. And my takeaway is simply this, love and live in the light by doing what is right. Would you stand with me, men? Heavenly Father, thank you again for these mighty men. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for your conviction and not condemnation. I thank you, Lord, that these men will be built up and righteous, Father God. They will know that they are righteous. They will know that they are more than conquerors. Lord, that they are going to move and talk in a different way. I thank you for the challenges. I thank you for the, the stumbling blocks that are coming our way. I thank you for dusting us off every day. And strengthening us now that we get to walk through this, go through this, love like we've never loved before, forgive like we've never forgiven before, and see like we've never seen before. In Jesus' name, bless these men, I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today, and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.